If you've ever picked up the phone and said something stupid because you thought you knew who it was, but it wasn't, raise your hand. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. This is explaining some things. If you've ever tried to imitate a bird call, raise your hand. How many have heard the birds lately? And you've kind of whistled at them and tried to call back to them? Yeah. Well, I know some of you did because I've heard you do it. I was there. I saw it. If you've ever lost, how many of you in the room have ever lost your religion over the call of an umpire or a referee at a game? You absolutely lost your sanctification. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've had a few of those moments lately. If you've ever fallen or dropped something trying to get to a ringing phone, how many? Yeah, a lot of injuries today. Just people trying to get to a phone. They didn't quite make it and fell and broke an arm or something. Uh, or maybe they didn't fall, but they dropped something that was in their hand because they got to go get the phone. They don't know where it is and so on. When you don't know where your cell phone is, what's the first thing you do if you have another phone handy? Oh, you're so wicked smart. If you've ever stayed home from somewhere so you really wanted to go, and you really wanted to go there, but uh, you were expecting an important call, so you stayed there. Uh, we're talking probably landlines here. How, have you ever done that? You stay home, you really wanted to go somewhere, be somewhere else, but you, had to, you just felt you had to stay home because you had an important call coming in, or thought you did. Okay. And then, of course, it would really frost you if that call didn't come in, right? And you missed your event that you wanted to go to and you could have gone to it anyway. If you ever sat by the phone waiting for someone to call, just waiting for a call to come in. How many ever sat by the phone? Some of you are right there now, as a matter of fact. Can't wait for them to say, come on, let's go, leave church. If you've ever sat by the phone waiting for someone to call, then you know what a call is. And that, that, that's, I want to thank you for taking part because uh, I think, some of those questions <laughs> probably apply to, all of, uh, to many of us, but uh, all of the questions uh, apply to somebody in the room. So to say that, said that to say this, is I took you through that exercise as a reminder that there are many <clears throat> different types of calls. There are many different types of, of things that we hear that get our attention. And uh, also wanted you to think a little bit about how important a call can be. It can be very, very important. If you're, if you're waiting on a call to come in and it has something to do with, with medical issues or business or family or who knows what, it could be a very important call and calls can be that way. And I'm guessing <clears throat> that we've all experienced one sort of a call or another at some time in life. And by your response this morning, you pretty well confirmed that for me. But today, we're going to consider <clears throat> that not your friend, not your spouse, uh, not your boss, but God is calling us, and I want us to look at the reasons for which God calls because God calls every person. With that thought, just kind of starting to be in your mind and simmering there, let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this clear illustration this morning of 
the fact that calls are important and calls can come from any source and calls can mean uh, some very important things. And, and if it's a call from you, God, we need to know how to hear it, how to listen to it, how to be attentive to it. So we pray, God, that every person in here will identify with my prayer request today, and that is that we have ears that will really listen and hearts that will be attentive and spirits that will be willing. And we pray that as your, whole, your word is poured into us, that we might just accept it like sponges, and then that your Holy Spirit will squeeze that sponge and take us out into a life of useful service for you. Lord, that's our prayer today, and that's how we approach what we're going to hear and see and experience, and we're careful to give you the glory for the results, and we pray in the sweet name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. I want you to turn in your Bible, if you would, or your app, or whatever you're following on, uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I, uh, I'm going to be reading today from the message. I know some of you have the message, and some of you can dial that up wherever you are. 1 Samuel chapter 3, reading from the message, and I want to read a, a few verses for you to kind of set the stage, if I may. So uh, 1 Samuel, excuse me, chapter 3, starting at verse 1. The boy Samuel was serving God under Eli's direction. There may be a word here or a word there that's a little different in your translation, but just follow me as we go, or a little different than what's on the screen, although I think we've got pretty much accuracy here. This was at a time when the revelation of God was rarely heard or seen. One night, Eli was sound asleep. His eyesight was very bad. He could hardly see. It was well before dawn. The sanctuary lamp was still burning. Samuel was still in bed in the temple of God where the chest of God or the ark of God rested. Then God called out, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, yes, I'm here. Then he ran to Eli saying, I heard you call here I am. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so he did. God called again. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli. I heard you call. Here I am. Again, Eli said, son, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Now, this all happened before Samuel knew God for himself. He did not had a, a, a close encounter with God himself. It was before the revelation of God had been given to them personally. So God called again, Samuel. And that was the third time. Yet again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Yes, I heard you call me. Here I am. That's when it dawned on Eli that God was calling the boy. So Eli directed Samuel, go back and lie down. If the voice calls again, say, speak, God, I'm your servant, ready to listen. Samuel returned to his bed. And then God came and stood before him exactly as before, calling out, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, I'm your servant, ready to listen. A message this morning simply entitled, Ready to Listen. I'm not going to get into family affairs, but how many of us have been in conversations where there's been way more talking than listening? 
I think of that because I've been reading, hearing, watching, listening to a lot of stuff lately in our geopolitical world here in the U.S., which is kind of in shambles. And I've come to the realization, as a lot of people have, there's some new books out that really are worth reading, that we can disagree without, without hating one another. We can disagree <clears throat> without giving up what we believe to be true or to be truth. Right? And what, what that hinges on is being willing, I don't agree with you, I know you're wrong, or I just feel very strongly you're wrong, but I'm listening. One of the books, as a matter of fact, is that's the title of it. I feel you're wrong, but I'm listening. Ready to listen. Now, in your Bible, whether it be that version that I just read, or the King James, or some other version like the NIV or whatever, the words are going to be found there as before, God says, calling out. Or it might be in your Bible, calling as at other times. What do those words mean? They mean that God had been calling Samuel for some time, but Samuel had not been hearing him. And isn't that true uh, of you and of me in, again, in personal conversation, how many times have you had it said or you said it yourself to someone? Yeah, well, I, that, yeah, I know that, but I told you that uh, two weeks ago. Oh, uh, no, yes, I did. Oh, well, I think I did hear you say that. You probably heard it, but you weren't listening. Hearing and listening are vastly different things. So first, we're going to look at the biblical record of God calling. We're not going to look at everyone because that would take us a while. But the purpose of the calling that God gives and how, what remarkable aspects, just going to look at a couple of them, of his calling when indeed he calls. And I want to just underscore it again one more time that every person gets called by God whether they realize it or not. And I'm hoping that through this message this morning, someone will come into that realization that God has called, is called calling or will soon be calling you. So the title of the message again is Ready to Listen. Good. So the first biblical record of God uh, calling, and uh, there are going to be numerous instances of this. It, we're going to take Samuel here in 1 Samuel 3. And of course, we just read the story and we'll expand on it a little bit. But uh, that's one of the, one of the examples. Uh, one that you would know, of course, is Adam and Eve. Still in the garden, Genesis chapter 3, 8 and 9. I'm going to have a lot of scripture referencing for you. I'm not going to read all the verses, but I'm going to reference some of them. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? Did God not know where Adam was? <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of rhetorical, isn't it? Of course he did. Another word there would have helped a lot when we first read that verse for the very, very first time. If, if, God, if it had, the translators had just put in there, where are you spiritually? <laughs> where are you in our relationship? God knew that the relationship had been broken. Then if you go over to Exodus chapter 3, Exodus 3, verse 4, this is the story of Moses. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Wow. 
And then if you look at Proverbs 8, 4, you'll see that God has called all peoples. Those are people groups. Those are different groups of uh, people, whether they be nationalities or people in time or however you want to, to split that up. And he says this in Proverbs 8, 4. To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to, get this, all mankind. Hmm. Love that word all, don't you, when it comes in Scripture? And then we're going to see how universal this whole thing is, the universality of his calling. In Isaiah 45, verse 22, you find the words, all the earth. Turn to me and be saved. Through the prophet, God is saying, turn to me and be saved, all you, the ends of the earth. Hmm. For I am God, love this, and there is no other. There is no other. Isaiah 45. And then in Isaiah 55, verse 1, everyone is called. So what I said earlier wasn't just some dream thought that I had and said, oh, I'll tell them this and they'll all believe it. But Isaiah 55, 1 says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Yeah. And we all thirst and we all hunger for the righteousness of God, whether we know it, whether we realize it, whether we've ever searched for it or not. And I'll share that with you in a moment. And then in uh, Matthew, moving into the New Testament, chapter 22, in the first three verses and in verse 9, uh, we, find the, we find these words, anyone you find. Here's, here's the uh, allegory or the story. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants and he said, go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. And then John 7, 37, anyone who thirsts. And then Romans 10, 12, all who call on him. And then 2 Peter 3, 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to him or be saved. All men to be saved. That's the purpose and the plan and the, and the desire of God. What is the reason for all these types of calls? What is the one basic reason that underscores everything I've said in these first few minutes? Here it is. The reason for the call is because he loves us. And he loves us with an everlasting love. He loved us before we were us. He loved us before we had an ability to even know that. He loved us before we had any idea of how to respond to that love or even that we could respond to it. Yeah, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. So the reason is he loves us. In Jeremiah 31, in verse 3, we read these words. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. So if that's the reason for the call, then what's the purpose of God calling? Number one, I'm just going to leave a couple of things with you. Number one, the purpose is to bring us into relationship with him. If you've never had this said to you before, I am so honored to be able to say this to you. God is inviting you into a relationship 
with him. And you can get a lot of invitations in your life, but you'll never get one like that, that even starts to compare it. It is a relationship based on faith. And what is that? That is your faith and your trust in his son, the Lord Jesus. It's a relationship based on the work of salvation done by Jesus, already done. It's not by works of righteousness, which we do. It's not of ourselves. It's not by ourselves. It's the work of salvation completed by Jesus. And I'm glad, aren't you, that it doesn't depend on our works? I'm glad, aren't you, that it doesn't depend on our righteousness? I'm glad, aren't you, that it's not us, it's all him? In Matthew 9, we read these words. As Jesus was going down the road, he saw Matthew sitting at his tax collection booth, representing the IRS of the day. <laughs> Come, he said to Matthew, and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. Mm. Mm. You say, wow, what a story. Let me tell you an even better story. Jesus calls every one of us to be his disciples. To be with him, to hear his voice, to listen to his words, to learn from him, and to get our instruction for living from the master teacher of all time. Paul said this, Philippians 3, I consider everything a loss, everything because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, that I, may be, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Wow. I want to know Christ, Paul said. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and becoming like him, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. To know him, to identify with him, to look forward to being with him. Wow. That's a call that surpasses any call you've ever had or ever will have. A church lost its pastor and, 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 and they set up, as a lot of churches do, what they called a search committee. And they were charged with the responsibility of, of finding a new pastor and introducing to the congregation a new pastor. And eventually, when they felt satisfied, recommending to the whole church body a new pastor and they could do whatever, make their decisions so so on. So uh, some of its members were a little picky about applicants, and that's sometimes a good thing. Other times it kind of gets in the way of, the prog of progress. But anyway, um, they were, some of them, a little picky. And in about that time, a very interesting application, a letter of application or seeking to apply came in. It started off to the pastoral search committee of such and such and such a church. That's the way it read. I would like to apply for the position of pastor. I can't say that I preach very well. No, this was not a letter I wrote. Um, in, in, I could have been. In fact, I tend to stutter when I speak, and I don't have a lot of experience, and I'm, uh, I'm over 75 years old, but I'm young at heart. I have only just recently had an encounter with God, not that long ago. 
And as far as people skills go, I do tend uh, to lose my temper every once in a while. I'm also inclined to want things done my way, and I get cranky if it's not taken care of right away. As a matter of fact, once I got so impassioned, I even killed somebody. But you, I know, are gracious people, and you will believe me when I say that all that's behind me now, and I would intend on leading you people into a much brighter future. The committee was horrified. One old fellow on the committee just couldn't believe it. He said, an old man, no seminary training, arrogant, temperamental, hears voices, an ex-murderer as their pastor? Who had such colossal nerve anyway? Who signed that letter of introduction? And the committee member who was in charge of this eyed them all keenly before answering, well, it's signed, Moses. Moses didn't have the right qualifications from a human viewpoint. I want you to notice that didn't stop God, did it? from calling him to save and serve the people of Israel. And this story highlights the fact that God calls us because, number one, he wants a relationship with us, but secondly, because he wants us to serve him. And if you just take what I'm saying this morning and take it through the story of the call of Moses, you can see this very clearly called to have relationship with God, and also called to serve him. And usually when, you know, when God calls, I could give you dozens of examples in Scripture. I'll not take the time, but when God calls, usually he calls very ordinary people. See, what I'm trying to do is get around all your excuses. And, and, and I'll tell you something else about the ordinary people. He calls ordinary people, and he calls them for a reason. And usually when God calls those ordinary people, the people feel inadequate. So not only has every pastor on earth heard it, but God's heard it multiple millions of times. Well, I don't think I could do that. I, I don't think I'd be able to do that. I don't think uh, he heard it from Moses. He heard it from uh, all of his leaders down through the ages. And he's heard it from you and he's heard it from me. The good news is this, that even if you feel inadequate and God's calling, God knew what you were before he called you. God knows who you were before he called you. God knows where you've been before he called you. God knows what you've done before he called you. And here's the great news. Still, he accepts us as we are. We get altered at the altar. We come to him and fall at his feet and life changes forever. But we all have talents. We all have gifts. You say, well, I don't have any talent. Yes, you do. Excuse making is very good on your list. You're great at it. <laughs> Somehow. Don't ask me how. Don't ask me how. But God can use that. If that's the talent he gave you, then that's the talent he gave you. Every person has a talent. 
Every person has a spiritual gift when they come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. You may not know, may not know what your spiritual gift is right now. Maybe you haven't been a Christian that long. Maybe you've been a Christian for years, but your spiritual gift has never been identified. That can, that can be looked after. That can be done. He calls ordinary people. Ordinary people usually feel inadequate. But the truth is we all have talents and gifts and we all have abilities and we all have ambitions. And there's always something that we can do for the work of God. There's always some way that we can be included in the ministry for the Lord Jesus. There's always something that we can be used, and we don't even realize it probably today. Or as I speak, we don't even know what that might be. And if you were to say, well, how do you think? that I'm not God. I can't tell you what that is. But between you and God, that can be uh, discovered. And you say, well, I do have some talent, and I do. And I've talked to people who started off with uh, no talent, no gifts, no abilities, can't do anything. And after a little bit of discussion, a little bit of searching. Well, uh, oh, how did you do that? Well, uh, and all of a sudden the talent comes out, the gift comes out, the ability comes out. And if none of those are present, then maybe it's just, it's, it's just the desire to do something good for God, whatever it might be. A key to developing your relationship with God is to get involved in his work. Um, and a key is to attempt things that can only be done with his help. Can I just say again, that's how we come to know him in a greater way. And don't you want to know God in a greater way? Didn't I come into this building today and ask God to give us something to hang on to <clears throat> so that we can re really know and so that I can know that I can be in relationship with God in an even greater way and know him better than I did when I started out this morning and be closer to him and, 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 and more compassionate about what the things are that he would want me to do and how we can reflect his compassion don't you want to know him in a greater way? I'll ask it again. Don't you want to know him in a greater way? My friends, the most commonly used phrase of exclamation in our English world today is, oh my, oh my, oh my God. I want to stand before you today and say, oh, my God, don't you want to have a greater relationship with him than you've ever had? My God is awesome. My God is absolute. My God is accepting. My God is benevolent. My God is bountiful. My God is beyond words. My God is compassionate. My God is caring. My God is creator. My God is deliberate. My God is dynamic. My God is deserving. My God is everlasting. My God is excellence. My God is enough. My God is forgiving. He's forgiving. He's forgiving. He's forgiving. Forgive yourself. God has already forgiven you. My God is forgiving. 
God is gracious. He's goodness. He's good, good Father. God is holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. My God is incomparable. My God is indescribable. My God is immutable. My God is just. My God is justice. My God is judge. My God is knowledge. My God is kindness. My God is kindred. My God is limitless. My God is loving. My God is long-suffering. My God is magnanimous. My God is merciful. My God is magnificent. My God is necessary. My God is never failing. My God is nearby. My God is omniscient. My God is omnipresent. My God is omnipotent. My God is peerless. My God is perseverant. My God is perfect. My God is quintessential. He is quinfall. He is quotable. My God is redeemer. My God is restorer. My God is reachable. My God is sustainer. My God is stupendous. My God is satisfaction. My God is trustworthy. My God is tenacious. My God is truth. My God is unflappable. My God is unfailing. My God is undeniable. My God is voracious. My God is verifiable. My God is virtue laden. My God is wisdom. My God God is welcoming. My God is wonderful. My God is extraordinary. My God is X factor no longer. My God is yearning saying yes, yes, yes. Come on up. My God is zealous, zealous, zealous. Yes, zealous for us to return to him through faith in Jesus so we can be with him in the heavenly home and enjoy his presence, bringing glory to him through the decades, through the centuries, through the millennia, and through all the future ages to come forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, world without end. Amen. That is my God. Can we praise him in this place this morning? There are absolutely remarkable aspects of a call from God. First, that call is all based on grace. And if you don't know what grace means, the acrostic, the acrostic is G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. In Romans 10, the writer says, God spoke through Isaiah saying this, I was found by those who did not seek me. <laughs> I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. <laughs> but concerning Israel, all day long I've held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. The people God called didn't merit God's attention. They didn't even merit God himself because they had never sought for him. Listen, stay with me if you would. Likewise, our calling is not based on our worthiness. If you're waited to be, waiting to be accepted into the family of God, and you're trying to get worthy enough 
People say, I don't want to get baptized because I'm not worthy. I don't take the communion because I'm not worthy. I haven't yet made that full commitment to Christ yet uh, because I'm not worthy. I'm not taking the advantage of serving God in a ministry, uh, you know, because I'm not worthy. I, I don't publicly name the name of Christ and identify with the disciples of Christ because I'm not worthy. Let me ask you, when are you going to become worthy? And by what merit are you going to become worthy? You see, our calling and our position in God, they're not based on our worthiness. You'd have thought God would only reveal himself to a seeker. I mean, somebody that really wants to know the answers to this thing, God. Or to somebody searching for God. But this verse tells me just the opposite. From God's pers perspective, we are all flawed. Does that make you feel good? Amen. Turn to someone and say, you know, we're all flawed. And those of you that wouldn't do it, you're really flawed. No. <laughs> Hey, not only are we all flawed, we're all fallen. Next time you go to the lab for a blood draw, remember where that blood came from. And every time you think of your sin, thank Adam for it. Can we blame Adam? No, because if it had been you or I in that position, we still would have followed our own desires. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all flawed. Huh? We're, so you don't have to worry about who you're, who you're in church with. Like, oh, that guy goes there. Oh, they go. He said, oh, I never. Mankind because of our nature, mankind is depraved. It takes an extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit to turn us to him. And it's so good that we can't do this by ourselves because if we could, we'd never know whether we've really done it or not. There'd be no indicator. We'd never know, okay, I've done enough. I've climbed the ladder. I'm up there to almost the top rung. You would never know where the top rung is. And so, there's some remarkable aspects of his calling, and I'm going to say it again. Boy, I don't want to, to overemphasize this. I want you to really get this. It's all based on grace. And then the second aspect, <laughs> just so you're aware, just so you don't get too lost in your electronic world, I want you to know the frequency of his calling. Huh. Ah. All, here's what he said. All day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Those are the words of God. The words all day long can be translated, we have one word we use for that, daily. And it means daily, 
every day, all day. You say, man, I get so many calls, I don't know, I don't even know if I should take them, or I don't even know if I should have a phone. So, no, 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 God calls all day, daily, every day, all day long. Friend, God didn't call you once and then just kind of let you alone. I've had people tell me, well, I tried that. I went to church. I listened to that. I went through the motions. And then that wasn't for me, and I didn't. Well, you can't convince me that God hasn't been calling you since that time, even till now. Every day he's called you. That's what he said. I'm going to go on his word. Every day he's had your conscience working, speaking to you given you some token that he is real. He is genuine. How much we'll have to account for at the great judgment seat, those of us who know Christ, if we're not listening to the call of God from the first days of your life, God has been wooing you. Yeah, from, yes, from the womb, through your mother, Listen, she carried you under her heart for nine months. That's the love of Almighty God. Children are a heritage of the parents. Absolutely wrong. That's not what the Bible says. Children are a heritage of the Lord. They're His. They're His. And He's loved them you say, yep, he's loved them from the time they started to be. That would be conception. Wrong again. That's not when you start to be. You start to be from the moment you're a thought in the mind of God. Jeremiah pretty much proves that out. And you touch an infant, whether that infant's still in the womb or that infant has just been born and nobody can decide whether it stays alive or not. Listen, that child, even in the womb, is a human being and has every right that every other person sitting in this room has. And from the day of your birth, from the day you saw daylight, from the day you breathed your first outside of your mother's womb, you have been wooed through your mother, your father, or both, and they've poured their love on you because God has poured his love into them to transmit to you because children are an heritage of the Lord. In your childhood, he bestowed love on you in different ways. I wish he had chosen some other ways, but by then you're starting to mature and you're starting to grow up. And, and, and a lot of the way that God, uh, that the, that God uh, bestows his love on you as your child growing is by warning you through instances of your disobedience. How often was your youthful heart affected Yet you put it off and you ignored the fact that God was blessing you and was calling you. When you were sick or you were in need, you prayed. And God graciously aided and comforted you and brought you back to a full measure of strength, of health, whatever it might have been. It's probable that God will keep on stretching out his hands until all the hairs of your head grow gray. Or they'll all turn gray or turn out, turn loose. 
But don't think that if you ignore your salvation, you go unpunished, my friend. When the heavens are on fire and Christ comes to judge the earth, there won't be one excuse that a person can make which will be valid at that last great fateful day. Because all day long, this is his word. These are his words. All day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and, and, and absolutely obstinate people. God still calls people. Here's my question. Will you answer? It's funny, too. You don't need a caller ID when God calls you. You know who it is. One night, I just put this into perspective. Some of you will identify, I'm sure. One night, a family with multiple children was noisily chattering away at the dinner table when the youngest, a four-year-old, stood up on his chair and shouted, Pass the butter! His parents sat in stunned silence for a moment, and then they sent the young, ill-mannered child to his room. Father of the family later told his noisy bunch that he had sound recorded the evening meal and he was going to play it back. And on playback, a quiet voice was heard saying, please pass the butter. And a few minutes later, the voice called out a little louder, could someone please pass the butter? And a few moments later, there was a thundering shout everyone remembered from the meal, Pass the butter! Oftentimes it isn't that God didn't tell us something, it's that we weren't listening. Oh, I think I'll skip that chapter. Whew, that's cutting a little close to the cotton right there. Preacher, could you get done this sermon real quick? Because um, I don't have any more toes left. <laughs> Yeah, oftentimes God tells us to do something or to be something or to, or, to, or to learn something. And it isn't that we didn't know that he was calling us, it's that we were not listening. And maybe it's because there was too much noise in our life. And maybe there was too much activity for us to recognize the still small voice of God that was speaking to our hearts. Remember in that story, wonderful story of the birth of Jesus, the announcement of the birth and all the rest, during the visit of the angels proclaiming the birth of Christ in Bethlehem? Have you ever wondered why the shepherds were chosen to hear the announcement of the Savior's birth first? Could it be, at least in part, could it be that they would listen? Will you? Can you hear the Lord's voice over the noise of your life? Or do you just like that noise because it drowns out every other noise or every other voice? I mean, do we need to turn off the smartphone or the iPad or the computer or the TV and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and go to a quiet place and just listen for the voice of God? See, the Bible records many instances of God calling us, and I could go on and on and on with many, many more. I won't. Other than to say, the reason for him calling us is he wants to be in relationship 
with us. And he wants us to come back to him. And he wants us to be fully restored to him. And then he wants us to serve him. These are not disjointed. These are not unconnected. These are very much connected principles. He wants restored fellowship with you. And he wants you to be in fellowship with him. And he wants you to serve him. We're called because God has grace to us. It's all about grace and it's all based on grace. And his calling is daily. It's all day long, every day. I wonder how many of us will say yes to God. I wonder if there's anybody in here right now who thinks it's time to say yes to God. I wonder how many would become more obedient after hearing these riches, these nuggets of truth from God's word. Right now. God knew who you were. God knew what you were. God knew what you were doing when he called you. He still knows who you are. He still knows where you are. He still knows what you do. He'll take you as Charlotte Elliott, the old hymn writer, wrote, just as I am. He'll take you just as you are. Just give yourself to him and let him, quit trying to do this yourself, let him make all the alterations. Friends, he's calling. We accept his call. Has he called before? Is he calling again? Are you ready to listen? Ready to listen. If you have made a decision in your heart and the Holy Spirit has impressed on you something of a need and you need to listen to this call and you need to respond to it today in whatever fashion, I'm going to ask that you take one of the Connect cards that's in the seat pocket there on your chair or in front of you and I want you to just fill out your name, just put your name and just fill out what it is that touched you today and how you're going to or you have or you will answer that call of God on your life today. Don't put off the call of God on your life. Do not hesitate. Do not hide. (laughs) And certainly, certainly, certainly do not wait. Do it today. Show God that you're ready to listen and ready to act. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, for the moving of your Holy Spirit. And thank you most of all for your grace, your kindness, your compassion towards us, Lord. We know that we're not worthy. We know that we are unbefitting of this great gift that you've given us. And yet, Lord, we accept it as it's given. We come as we are. We come with all the baggage that we might have and we drop all that at your feet and we throw ourselves at your mercy, and we thank you for the results. I pray there's someone here this morning who was ready to listen and actually listened with their heart, with their soul, and now they're ready for action. God, thank you for that. We praise and give you glory for that. 
And we ask that you continue to just be powerful as we continue our worship of you in song and in word and in fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.